It's Tuesday, February 15th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Public health experts are worried about the next crisis that could overwhelm the healthcare system, a wave of cancers that we didn't catch. The rates of cancer screenings dropped over the pandemic and have not recovered. Many put off regular screenings and may have missed a diagnosis that could save their lives. Dylan Scott, senior correspondent at Vox, joins us for this problem, which we might not see the extent of for years. Next, the search for Dylan the Pickle is on. The costume for the Portland Pickles mascot is missing, and police are on the hunt to get it back. After being lost on a plane on a trip back from the Dominican Republic, the duffel bag with the costume was found by the airline and placed on the porch of the team's general manager, only to have the bag stolen by a man with a mask on. Joseph Pisani, reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for the hunt for this pickle mascot. Finally, after leaving their jobs in the Great Resignation, what are the jobs people actually want? According to Google search data, some of the top how to become searches last year were real estate agent, flight attendant, therapist, and notary, among others. Ronnie Mola, senior data reporter at Recode, joins us for more on the jobs Americans want. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Honestly, it's going to be hard to get in for a colonoscopy or something like that right now. They just waited and waited. And by the time they finally went in, you know, maybe in late 2021, their cancer was a lot farther along than it would have been if they'd been able to get seen earlier in 2020. Joining us now is Dylan Scott, senior correspondent covering healthcare at Vox. Thanks for joining us, Dylan. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, health experts across the country are nervous for what the next health crisis could be. And this does relate to the pandemic. They are thinking that uh, the number of people with cancers that we didn't catch early enough could be a huge problem for the healthcare system. A lot of it has to do with the pandemic, like I said, where people weren't getting their cancer screenings at a regular pace. Obviously, hospitals had to stop performing a lot of services when the surges of COVID were going around. And, you know, health experts, as I mentioned, are thinking that this is going to catch up to us in a really bad way. So, Dylan, help us walk through some of this. Sure. So the impetus for this story was a uh, study that was published in the journal Cancer in December of 2021, so just a few months ago, that showed just how precipitously cancer screenings had dropped over the course of 2020. So for things like colonoscopies, prostate biopsies, you know, chest scans, those kinds of things that catch major cancers, they practically stopped by, you know, in the spring of 2020 when, like you said, you know, hospitals were preparing for their first real surge of COVID. Nobody knew at the time how bad it was going to be. And we didn't really have any experience with trying to both manage a surge of COVID cases and trying to keep other hospital operations up and running. So, you know, hospitals were extra cautious and tended to cancel all kinds of things, you know, elective services, which actually often include these kinds of screenings. Um, And so there was this really dramatic drop off uh, early in 2020. But what was really worrying to the authors of this study was that over the course of the year, you know, as we got a little more accustomed to living with the virus, we did not like get back to normal levels by the end of 2020. Like we were still adding to the deficit in missed screenings by the end of the year. And so, you know, this is the most recent data that we have, but the implication is that this was not just like a momentary blip in the spring of 2020, that there's been a more kind of permanent 
setback in terms of the cancer screenings that we want to be doing. And so, you know, I talked with a number of doctors, you know, a gastroenterologist in California, an oncologist here at Georgetown University in D.C., and they told me that sort of their anecdotal experiences certainly line up with the data that they were seeing, you know, patients come in with more advanced disease because they had delayed going to get a screenings. You know, several of them shared stories of people who had first noticed symptoms in the spring or summer of 2020, but either, you know, because they were worried about the virus or because their primary care doctor told them, like, you know, honestly, it's going to be hard to get in for a colonoscopy or something like that right now. They just waited and waited. And by the time they finally went in, you know, maybe in late 2021, their cancer was a lot farther along than it would have been if they'd been able to get seen earlier in 2020. Right. From that study that you mentioned, new diagnoses declined 13 to 23 percent, depending on the cancer. And obviously, that's not because people were not developing the cancer. It's just we weren't catching it because of these lack of screenings. And the big worry is that this is going to carry over over the course of many years. You know, as you mentioned, the screenings didn't catch back up like they were pre-pandemic levels. So we're behind there. Backlogs of screenings are currently going on right now where people have finally were able to get uh, an appointment to get their screening, but it's months out. And so these backlogs on backlogs, they think that this could be a problem for a few years. Yeah, totally. I mean, I talked to one uh, one hospital CEO in, in the Plain States who said one of her, you know, GI doctors had actually been kind of temporarily hired away by a uh, bigger hospital in the Kansas City area just to like perform colonoscopies like all day, every day, as much as possible, which kind of just indicates how much the uh, how deep the bag clock is getting. And to your point, like it does have this kind of compounding effect. There are still obviously people now who are like first noticing symptoms and trying trying to get in to get screened. And, you know, I talked to this doctor in Georgetown who said he knew of somebody who kind of like first come in, first came in contact with the health system in September because there was something she was worried about. And as of December, she still hadn't been able to get through to have a screening because the health system was still trying to get through all these other people who maybe, you know, noticed symptoms even before she had. So it does have this kind of, you know, it layers on top of each other. Um, And so I think that is why these doctors are really nervous about what we're going to see in the coming years. This is from 2018. So, you know, things could have changed, but only 8% of Americans are receiving all the preventative services that are recommended for them. And a lot of this has to do with establishing a relationship with your primary care doctor. A lot of people are just not doing that. So, you know, we're talking about people who would have gotten these screenings, but then there's people who are just not in the system that same way to get those preventative screenings. And, you know, I think that, you know, one of the doctors I talked to said, like, you know, I've been born again on the importance of screenings because of uh, what I've been seeing over the last year or so. And, you know, I think there's been a kind of, I would say, a healthy debate uh, in within U.S. healthcare about, like, are we screening too much? You know, there's been some revisions to things like uh, mammograms because there's been some kind of rethinking about how much we need to be screening people. But I think what's particularly scary about this moment is we're going to be going through kind of an unplanned natural experiment, you know, with with real people's lives at stake. Um, and as one of the other doctors that I spoke to, that one of the, the co-authors of the cancer journal studies put it, you know, it's going to be years before we really understand the implications of this disruption to healthcare in general and cancer and other preventive screening specifically. And by that time, you know, for thousands of people, potentially, it's going to be too late. So, you know, that's kind of the, the those are the uncharted waters that we're all trying to navigate. Dylan Scott, Mm -hmm. senior correspondent covering healthcare 
at Vox. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Do everything you can, spread the word, and we, we still hold out hope. We think that whether this person meant to grab a giant pickle or not, his home is here at this house, so we need to bring him back to the jar. Joining us now is Joseph Pisani, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Joseph. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, the hunt is on for Dylan the Pickle. He's the seven-foot mascot for the Portland Pickles, their collegiate baseball team. They uh, get college players from all around the country and they play throughout the summer. But this is an interesting story that started on January 31st when the team general manager, Ross Campbell, was traveling with the costume from the Dominican Republic. He was trying to make his way back home and the airline lost the bag that he was in. And then from there, all sorts of other stuff happened. So, Joseph, help us walk through this crazy story. Yeah, it was so funny. So when, when I first um, started reporting on it, it was it was that the bag was lost. So I had interviewed the team the general manager, and it was already an interesting story because the mascot was lost, and they Delta wasn't telling them where the bag was. But then um, halfway through reporting the story, Delta returned the bag um, one night, but the general manager didn't get a notification until like the next morning early, like it was around 3 a.m. And in that time, the bag was left on the front porch and they could see on the ring camera that somebody walked up to their porch and stole the bag with the mascot in it. Yeah, so the costume was delivered back by Delta about 7 in the evening, as you mentioned, about 3 in the morning, he got the notification, but it was about Four o'clock, almost five o'clock, when somebody just walked up very casually. They had a mask on. They were wearing a backpack, wearing some like Beats headphones or something, possibly. And boom, they yeah. just walked away with it very casually. So before we get into a little bit more of it, d- describe Dylan the Pickle, the mascot costume, and how much it costs. You know, it, it's not uh, uh, cheap by you know any means, really. It costs a lot more than I thought. It's between five um, and ten thousand dollars. It's a lot of money. Uh, it takes about a week or two to make. The pickle one, uh, Dylan the pickle, uh, he's green. He's made of uh, Muppet fleece. He has a big grin. He wears a hat. He wears a baseball uniform that's custom made for him. And he was the mascot. He was the face of this baseball team. And he's missing. Yeah. And so this mascot was born in 2015, the same year that the baseball team started playing. And, you know, they use him for a lot of promotional events, TV things. Obviously, he was in the Dominican Republic to, uh, you know, work some of the games and things like that. So uh, he gets a lot of a lot of use from the team. Yeah, uh, he's traveled all over the world. There never has been an incident. He went to Mexico, Monaco. He went to Spain to meet another cucumber mascot for a soccer team. And they hugged. Uh, They ran into each other's arms. Um, He gets into a lot of antics. This is like what Dylan is about. And the general matter is that he's been traveling with, with the costume for years. And there's never been an incident like this before. The baseball team itself is known for some online stunts and things like that. So there was a lot of... I guess, chatter going online that uh, maybe it was a fake or maybe it was a stunt. And they're, you know, at least the general manager is saying it's all true. Even on their Twitter, on the uh, the Portland Pickles Twitter, they say, we play baseball from June to August. We make memes the rest of the time. So, you know, it's kind of in keeping that it could be, you know, a promotional gag or something. Yeah, a lot of people don't believe it. They don't believe that it's missing. And I did the reporting. I mean, Delta said the bag was missing. There was a police report filed and the police 
confirm that too. But they do so many tricks um, and hijinks online that that people don't, you know, they find it hard to believe that now he's missing. And and the story, it just got wild because first at first it was just a lost bag and now it's a stolen bag. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the team for themselves, that you know, obviously they want the costume back. They said that they'd offer her free uh, a reward of free pickles at games for life, but but they're willing to take it back, no questions asked. They just you know they just want to get it back for themselves. Yeah, they do want it back because the season starts in June, and right now Dylan is supposed to be doing promotional work, like he goes on TV. So now the team is thinking that maybe there's another team, um, the Portland Gherkins, and there's a Gherkin mascot who might fill in for him uh, this week. There's a TV appearance, and he looks a little different. He's a little bumpy, like he has a bumpier skin, but they think he could just fill in for him for, for now. <laughs> maybe maybe not many people would notice. I, I, you know, I love this part of it, right? Because it's the, the world of, of mascots and things like that. And you're, his name is Little P. He's of the Portland Kirkins, like you said. He looks kind of similar. I saw a bunch of pictures. He looks very similar to Dylan the Pickle, but yeah, he has those bumps, I guess, to signify that he's a different kind of pickle. But yeah, uh, yeah just a, an interesting story going from that missing bag to the stolen bag. But, uh, you know, the police are on it and uh, I guess uh, everybody's just keeping an eye out for it. You know, it's hard to, for somebody that wants to like sell it or do something with it, maybe the thief didn't know what was in the bag when he took it. But uh, yeah, just a, a crazy story altogether. Joseph Pisani, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And you also have increased levels of mental distress among so many people going through so much right now. So when people are considering what they want to do with their lives, they're saying, this is an option and, you know, maybe I want to help someone and do this. Joining us now is Ronnie Mola, senior data reporter for Recode at Fox. Thanks for joining us, Ronnie. Thanks for having me. You wrote an interesting article about the jobs that Americans want. We've been talking a lot about the great resignation. At first, you know, people just leaving their jobs, looking for better quality of life in that sense of things. It's kind of come to be known as the great reshuffling because people didn't just necessarily want to quit their jobs. They wanted to move on to different industries, to different things, more meaningful work, remote work, all sorts of stuff that we've been talking about throughout the pandemic. And what you did was look at some Google search data to see what people have been looking at, how to become X, how to become Y, how to become Z. And it kind of paints a picture that falls in line with what we've been hearing a lot through the pandemic. So, Ronnie, help us walk through some of this. What jobs do Americans want right now? And, and just to be clear, it's not necessarily because people Google it, they're going to you know, become X, sure, Y, or Z, sure. but it is like an indicator that like the first thing you do if you have interest in something is sort of is look it up online. So the top one that we saw was real estate agent. That along with notary and electrician, you could kind of chalk up to the housing boom. Lots and lots of people during the pandemic went out and tried to buy a house. Yeah. A real estate agent became sort of a really glamorous and uh, lucrative position to have. Yeah, you have this um, economic impetus for it. Like a, a, It makes a lot of sense why people would do it. You also have a lot of people rethinking what they want to do with their lives. Do they want to work for someone else? And those are also some jobs that are kind of on your own terms. You could be your own boss. You right. could work when you want to work. It gives you a little bit more freedom. So you could see why those are sort of attractive as well. Let me rattle off the top uh, searched how to become on Google in 2021, just so we can get a sense of it. So it's real estate agent, flight attendant, 
notary, therapist, pilot, firefighter, personal trainer, psychiatrist, physical therapist, and electrician. And to the point of what we're talking about, right, it mirrored a lot of what was going on through the pandemic and the needs, the demands that were going on at the time. Before we proceed, though, tell me what the searches were like before the pandemic. It seems like we're getting this shift away from the gig economy to things that were a little more stable, it seemed like. Some of these things continued from, like, they were always popular. Like, Realtor was on there before. It's just much more popular now. You could see the search trend over time. But before, there were things like actor, model, Uber driver. Those have kind of gone by the wayside, at least as far as the top most searched ones. And you see these sort of, like, practical ones on there. One thing I noted in the article is a lot of these are pretty straightforward when it comes to training. You know, you could go into training to become a flight attendant or take a program to become a realtor or to become an electrician. It's, it's not a four-year degree. There's like an end point in sight and you have this sort of lucrative, not necessarily lucrative, you have a career potential at yeah. the end of it. You mentioned flight attendant and obviously pilot was on that list. This is coming at an interesting time with what's going on with the airline industry. It's, it's rebounding right now. Mm-hmm. They laid off a lot of people and they need those employees. Right. That, that was a kind of strange thing on the list because, you know, that's a little counterintuitive. No one was traveling during the pandemic, but the problem was that a lot of airlines gave a lot of their you know, pilots and flight attendants and crew early retirement. So they just didn't have a lot of people to work when travels has rebounded. So now there's flight school for pilots. There's all these training programs. They're raising wages a lot. They're doing all they can to sort of get people back into this industry. And I think potential employees are taking note. Uh, you mentioned before, I want to get to something about Uber and you know the gig economy. I yeah. think people were seeing the holes in those even before the pandemic. And then you have an industry that was largely cut down as far as like shuttling people around. That wasn't really happening that much during the pandemic. People were ordering food through Uber Eats and stuff like that. But there were a lot of problems with those jobs beforehand. So I think when people rethought what they want to be doing with their lives, they're like, maybe not this thing that uh, doesn't seem to be paying enough for a lot of people and that a lot of people are having problems with. Right. But, you know, as you mentioned, not that these people that were searching this stuff are going to go out and actually get those jobs, but it's it's just a good indicator and definitely mirrored what was happening through the pandemic. Demand for services uh, were skyrocketing for things mm-hmm. like uh, therapists and psychiatric jobs. You know, a lot of people were having a right. really tough time throughout the pandemic. And and these are the things that they, you know, were looking to see if maybe they can make an impact in. Um, so uh, just a, yeah. an interesting look at the whole thing. Right. You see a lot of people wanting to help other people. Uh, you saw a lot of people in general just turn to therapy. So, like, I think that gave people a little bit more of it made them more aware that this is a thing, you know, um, and you also have increased levels of mental distress among so many people going through so much right now. So when people are considering what they want to do with their lives, they're saying, this is an option and, you know, maybe I want to help someone and do this. Ronnie Mola, senior data reporter for Recode at Vox. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks again for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. 
I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.